This is Generation Justice, a multimedia project that trains youth to harness the power of media. I'm Sami Assad. And I'm Pilar Monfiletto. Tonight we talk with New Mexicans resisting harsh immigration laws and the ongoing fight for water at Standing Rock. Liz Carrasco from the New Mexico Immigrant Law Center will talk about the immigrant rights and where to get help if you fear deportation. Then Fabiola Baden and Marianne Mendez, community organizers from El Centro de Igualdad de Derechos, will talk about the contributions of our immigrant community. We also have an update about Standing Rock with Andrea Mayuel Garza, a New Mexican water protector. Finally, we have our community calendar and our newest segment, the Resistance Headlines. Music is always healing and important, so we make sure to bring you our best, starting with They Don't Care About Us by Michael Jackson. Liz Carrasco of the New Mexico Immigrant Law Center is a community organizer and volunteer here to talk about immigration. Here's Liz Carrasco speaking with Kateri Zuni. I am Kateri Zuni with Generation Justice at the Albuquerque City Council meeting where the reaffirmation of Albuquerque's declaration as an immigrant-friendly city is underway. Welcome to Generation Justice. Will you please introduce yourself? My name is Lizabeth Carrasco and I work at the New Mexico Immigrant Law Center. And can you tell me a little bit about what NMILC does? The New Mexico Immigrant Law Center is a nonprofit organization that supports low-income immigrants to obtain legal services for free that wouldn't otherwise be available to them. So we do a lot of immigration cases ranging from U-Visas to VAWAs to asylum cases along with DACAs and anything else pertinent to humanitarian factors. So tell me a little bit about, I guess, the feeling that is happening in the city right now among our undocumented residents. So the feeling that I have seen right now among undocumented people and me being an undocumented person myself, I have seen a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety coming, you know, from the people who are very anxious about not knowing what the future holds for them. And so I have seen a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. I have seen a lot of anger also because people feel specifically like documented people, people who have deferred action for childhood arrivals. A lot of my friends and personal connections that I have feel that they did a disservice to the immigrant community by being so complacent when DACA came into effect. And so some are blaming themselves for feeling like this was because we stopped pushing and this happened because we were complacent, because we were okay, we had a work permit, we have a social security number, we had sort of that safety net. And so a lot of people, including myself, sometimes feel a little bit of guilt because we were complacent and we stopped pushing for the immigrant community. What do you think is important for the community to know right now? I think that we need to recognize that there are a lot of people who have our backs and who are willing to stand up with us so that we can be stronger in this fight. We also have to recognize that a lot of people fought for DACA. DACA was not handed to us. DACA was a process that a lot of people put their time and their lives into. And regardless of our feelings, we need to come together as a community and recognize that we are one and we cannot be divided right now. What would you like our elected officials to hear 
tonight and beyond tonight? I would like our elected officials to hear tonight and beyond that we are a community that is standing strong and that we are not going to take the hate and the, you know, the divisiveness that some people or some officials are trying to instill in our communities. We stand together and we stand strong and we expect them to represent us because they were elected by our people. And so I would just encourage them to realize that Labeling Albuquerque as a sanctuary city is important, but also thinking deeper than that into what that actually means and what that means in terms of things like keeping ice out of our courthouses so that people can go and fix the mistakes that they've made, for example. So that kind of goes into my next question. What do you think needs to be done to increase a sense of safety among our community? I think that in order to increase a sense of safety within the community, we need to know that we are represented by those elected officials who we elected. We need to know that they have our backs. We need to know that they are going to stand up for us when it comes to policies that have genuine hatred instilled in them. We need to know that they are going to fight for us and that they are not going to allow our communities to be attacked. And also, I think that just for people to feel a little bit more safe, people need to learn about their rights, get involved in organizing groups. That's always really important. And get the word out there about what's happening and also educate themselves about all of the information and the misinformation that is going out there because that is a huge issue right now that we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of people that don't know their rights that when they encounter immigration or ICE, they say more than they should or things like that. And so I feel like we really need to make sure that as a community, we are very, very proactive in getting out the information that needs to get out there so that people are protected and that people's rights aren't violated. And where are some places people can go to learn their rights and learn what to do? There are actually a lot of organizations that are doing work around knowing your rights and you know, getting information out for people who are affected under these new policies and this new administration. The New Mexico Immigrant Law Center are trying to do a lot of that work. People visit our page, which is www.nmilc.org. They can get more information. Also, if anybody wants to get involved with our organization, we're always looking for volunteers to help because right now is a time where we need a lot of people to support our work. Also, by calling our office, we always um, take calls and speak to people who want to schedule Know Your Rights presentations or other types of workshops. Our phone number for our office is 505-247-1023. We are also working very closely with El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos, Encuentro, um, Enlace, and a few other organizations who support immigrant rights movements in being able to create rapid response teams that can respond to, to things like rumors about checkpoints and raids or ICE having a presence at the courts. So we're, we're doing a lot of that work, but if people are interested, they can always come to us and we can always make those connections and those references to the pertinent groups that are doing that type of work. You bring up a good point. I've seen a lot of like social media posts that on the one hand are telling people not to go to this intersection. But on the other hand, there are people who say, you know, don't believe everything that you're seeing. Where can people go to get reliable information about that? As far as rumors about checkpoints and raids, we have not been able to verify any of those. We have verified that ICE has been present at Metro Court and a few of the other courts in the area. And so we are definitely aware that that is happening. In terms of the other checkpoints, you know, just fixed checkpoints in the streets, we have not been able to verify that. 
Right now, we are looking into creating a rapid response team that will have um, raid responders. So that's just people who have volunteered to go out into the different locations in which the alleged checkpoint or raid is happening and kind of documenting if that is happening or if it's just a rumor. So we're also creating a page called Ojo Nuevo Mexico and we're going to be posting a lot of updates on that page regarding anything that pertains to checkpoints or raids and if we verify any information that will be the page to look in terms of verifying that this is happening so right now what i would recommend for people is that anybody who sees or hears about a raid that they make sure that they document it either with taking videos taking photos speaking to people who went across the checkpoint or the raid because that is going to be the only way that we're going to be able to get reliable information and so we're depending on the community to make this happen and to get the information out there so that we can keep communities aware about what is happening around the city. And is there anything else that you would like to share? We have to make sure that we are not divided and that we unite more than ever so that we can win this fight. Great, Liz, thank you so much. For Generation Justice, I'm Kate Rizuni. You just heard Liz Carrasco with Kate Rizuni. Liz, thank you so much for talking to us about the story of thousands of immigrants. And I would like to say that while you're feeling guilty, you've done so much to better our community. That's right. I think it's so empowering how you talk about sticking together and rising up against the persecution of many. Now we have La Santa Cecilia, a Grammy Award-winning band with Latin-influenced music. Here's El Hielo. Pasando el trapo sobre la mesa y está cuidando que todo brille como una perla. Cuando llegue la patrona que no se vuelva a quejar, no sea cosa que la acuse de ilegal. Fabiola Barin and Marianne Mendez are both community organizers and strong activists with El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos. El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos is an immigrant-led organization that works to defend and strengthen immigrant rights in our community, including worker justice and civil rights. GJ fellow Kateri Zuni speaks with Fabiola and Marianne about how immigrants in New Mexico contribute to our community. I'm Kate Rizuni with Generation Justice, and I'm here at the Albuquerque City Council meeting where the reaffirmation of Albuquerque's declaration as an immigrant-friendly city is underway. Welcome to Generation Justice. Will you please introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Marianne Mendez. I am a community organizer at El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos, which is an immigrant and worker justice organization here in Albuquerque. My name is Fabiola Baden. I am a community organizer with El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos. And can you please explain why you've come out to the city council meeting tonight? So we have been hearing of the uptick of ICE activity here in our communities, right? Not only locally, but nationally. And we see the value on having protections for all immigrants and refugees, regardless of their immigration status. Because we see that value, we are here tonight demanding that they vote in favor, demanding that they take any means necessary to have local protections that are so essential for all of our communities. And so what they're doing tonight is 
is the city council is voting in a memorial. The memorial basically is just reaffirming their commitment to a 2000 resolution. So that's 17 years ago that passed that resolution. But we also find that there's so much that needs to be done, right? There's new realities under this new administration that was not what was happening 17 years ago. So now more than ever, we're fighting together, all of our communities together, united. We came here because it's really important for us The the City Council passed this memorial reaffirming Albuquerque is a, a friendly city for immigrants. So I think it's a critical moment for us, so we need this right now. What would you like for your elected officials to understand or hear tonight? We are seeing in the central a lot of calls from people. They want to know how can they react if immigration is at the door or the police came to the house. It's a lot of fear for our community right now and most for our kids. The current administration and the current executive orders are targeting our families, are impacting our families. This is the lives of real people that we're talking about. It's not just, uh, I heard there was someone being impacted. It's real people. It could be your neighbor, your student, your friend. I mean, we deserve dignity and respect regardless of our immigration status. And describe, if you will, how immigrants contribute to our community. Our immigrant community is the one that harvests our food, is the one that are entrepreneurs. We have so much creativity. We're taxpayers. I mean, if you think about uh, all the things that New Mexican families, regardless of their immigration status, contribute to this nation, and we should be respecting the people in general that contribute so much, not only to the economic development of our country, but also to our culture. We pay taxes, we contribute paying taxes, we, we are mothers, fathers, we are sisters, we are workers, we, we, we came to this country just to work, to give out our kids a better life and to learn about this country, but we want this country to learn about our, our culture, our people, we have a lot to give to this country, so I think it's the most important thing right now. Going forward. What do you think still needs to happen to improve the sense of safety for our immigrant community here in Albuquerque? People are feared that if a police stops someone, they're going to call ICE. So we need counselors to know we don't want this collaboration. It's really important for us, this separation between police and ICE. We need to start with having people in positions of authority that are able to be our champions. People that are willing to fight back with us and take a strong and bold positions and be like, we're not going to let this happen anymore. No one's going to be targeted. I mean, they could do that locally. And, and that's the beautifulness of being a state, the beautifulness of Albuquerque. Is there anything else that you would like to share? We're going to need a lot of allies in this moment. So we are inviting every single one who want to fight back for our community to join El Centro, to join other organizations who are fighting back with us to have a safe community.
It's not only about resisting what's coming down the pipeline, it's also fighting back. And to be able to fight back, you need to be organized. You need to be civically engaged in your communities and any other community, since we're all being targeted by this administration. It's not only the immigrant communities, the Muslim, the LGBTQ, even us as women, we're being targeted. And it sounds terrifying to even say that, that just because of my sex, I'm being targeted. It's idiotic to, to even think that. But as a large community, we should be fighting back. And the way to do that is to get involved. The way to do that is to support organizations, to be allies to communities, to be able to support each other, to change laws and policies, to fully integrate immigrants and refugees and Muslim communities back into the mainstream. Because that's where they belong. They belong here, and we're here to stay. We belong together. Thank you, Fabiola and Marianne, for your insight about how we should appreciate the stories of immigrants. Now we have a poem written by Tanea Winder, an indigenous poet who's an educator, artist, and writer raised on the Southern Ute Reservation. Here's her powerful poem, Resistance. This poem is called Resistance. Noun. One. To exert oneself so as to counteract or defeat. Two. To withstand the force or effect of. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the concussion, grenades, red glare, the water cannons bursting in freezing air temperatures, rubber bullets shot at water protectors gave proof through the night that America is still spelled with three Ks that start with an A turned upright like a white hood, pointed, saluting the settler colonialism, racism, ism, ism, a dangerous definition or doctrine. Have you forgotten the doctrine of discovery buried in the highest court of the land, supreme supremacy of the free home of the brave braves who became animals upon discovery? But you cannot discover a people who already exist Existed, and you cannot find something that was never lost. Even an indigenous holocaust couldn't get us written about in history books. Our numbers may not have been written on arms, but you can count the number of headstones of children from Indian boarding schools. America thought we died there when they cut our hair and forcibly removed us, pushed into the desolation onto reservations so people today forget we exist or that we are real. Never seeing beyond the painted faces of Washington, redskins, this corporate colored red skins, our identity and bleeds. Can you see me? Can you see us when you sing? Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave? 
the winds of oppression in a country built on genocide, slavery, and on the backs of brown bodies? What do those stars and stripes represent when those in power won't even honor our treaty rights? Who's right when we all have a right to survive and be free to live, to learn to drink clean water and not build walls around these man-made borders? When history is written by colonizers, they are always the heroes. Colonizer, made from coal and body politic, a black snake swallowing everything when they're drilling in the name of money and killing our water and soil in the name of oil. And who can tell what is the real truth when alternative facts are birthed in a colonial womb? But the revolution will never be won through patriarchy or held in the fists or lips of patriarchal men, but it will be born from women who know how to carry movements in the womb of intertwining lives. The revolution will be birthed from women who know that deliverance and delivery come from being ripped open in an unstoppable force that reminds us our most powerful weapons will always be giving life and a body and prayer that speaks courage, strength, and love that sings o'er the land of the and the home of the brave, you have the right to remain silent, but you also have the right not to be resistance. As indigenous people, we have the right to remain on the land that we've been placed on this earth to take care of. We have the right not to have our bodies police saying where we can and where we cannot be. Tanea, thank you for sharing your poem. For more of Tanea's work, you can visit TaneaWinder.com. The Standing Rock Sioux Tribe and water protectors from around the world have occupied the land on the Missouri River in protest of the Dakota Access Pipeline for months. This week, the main camp, Oshete Sakowin, along with two other camps, were evacuated by the state of North Dakota police and various federal units, but the situation remains unreported in mainstream media. Kateri Zuni speaks with Andrea Mayoel Garza. I'm Kateri Zuni with Generation Justice, and today I'm speaking with... Mayahuel Garza, an indigenous Chicana activist and founder of the youth organization Esperanza Unida. She has also previously organized with Young Women United and is the owner of Mayahuel's Catering. Welcome to Generation Justice. Will you please introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Andrea Mayahuel Garza, and uh, I live in um, El Cerro Mision in Valencia County, in Los Lunas. And um, I have three kids. I am um, also a certified doula and um, a traditional danzante from the Azteca Chichimeca tradition. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, Mayuel. Thank you for having me. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the ongoing situation at Standing Rock. Um, but first, I'd really like to get an understanding of your own identity as an indigenous woman. Can you tell me what indigenous liberation means to you? Um, yes. To me, indigenous liberation uh, means the right to self-determination and the right to uh, preservation of culture and heritage. It also, you know, means the right to um, live and pray as our ancestors once did. Thank you. I appreciate that. Will you describe how you became involved with Standing Rock? So I began to really pay attention um, to what was happening in Standing Rock back in the beginning of September, the end of August. Um, I already have connections and uh, spiritual ties to uh, North Dakota. 
Um, my family has traveled to North Dakota um, since I was a kid for ceremony. Once I began to see all of the nations that were supporting uh, Standing Rock and traveling to the camp, it was something that was very inspiring and very beautiful to see and to know that this was happening. We were having one of our own ceremonies the day that devil mercenaries attacked the water protectors with dogs. And so we were fresh out of ceremony and we were watching online what was happening to the people in North Dakota. And so that was the day that we decided that we were going to try our best, that we were going to do everything that we could so that we could travel to Standing Rock and um, and offer our danza. We wanted to go and and um, dance and pray and offer, you know, our, our traditional ceremonies at, at the Sacred Fire. We uh, created an event um, called Ayoyotes on the ground. And uh, Ayoyotes are our traditional, our seeds that we wear on our feet when we, when we dance. We kind of put a call out for danzantes from everywhere. We did that the first time in September of last year. And it naturally just also turned into, you know, a supply run where we um, organized um, donations and supplies, you know, from the community. We took hundreds of pounds of organic veggies locally grown in the South Valley that were donated by the farmers, uh, all the different kinds of supplies. And we came together with other danzantes from Minnesota and Colorado and Texas and New Mexico and I didn't didn't know at that time that, you know, I would continue to go back to do supply runs. And then we just continued to go back consistently up until it just got back two days ago. Can you describe Standing Rock the last time that you left it? The last day that I was in camp, it was definitely different, different from what I just described, you know, um, back in September when camp was huge and it's overflowing with people so now um there's just a very different feeling um in general you have to go through a bia checkpoint in order to get into camp and the purpose of that checkpoint supposedly was to make sure people were not coming in with any more supplies you know it really just was a way for them to just gain tighter access you know over the whole situation. So, you know, every time I drove into camp prior, it was always such a beautiful, amazing feeling when you drive through all of the flags that came from all of the nations from all over the world. And it's just a welcoming feeling, very warm and just exciting to be in camp, to be with, you know, all your relatives. But this time it was very different because you, there was no more flags. There was, you know, you had to go through the checkpoint, and now the exit was the entrance. You couldn't go past the exit on the road because then on that side is the Morton County barricade. I had been in camp in December during a blizzard, and, you know, it was lots of snow and ice. And this time it was just lots of mud. Um, and so it was hard to get around camp. Um, and so I just couldn't believe that they would be expecting the people to have enough time to pack up and leave in those conditions. Like, I couldn't even drive. So I had to park basically, like, 
right away park and then walk across camp and 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 literally drag all of our, our supplies and camp gear across the mud and the snow you know to to load up because that was what we were there to do at that point was to um uh clean up and and load up supplies that needed to be you know taken out and then it was also just very sad you know you would yeah, meet eyes with whoever is walking by and just kind of silently, <laughs> silently know that the camp was in its last days. And so what you're describing is uh, because of the official evacuation day for the Ocheti camp, most media outlets were excluded from covering it. What do you know has happened since that day? They, yes, they had um, threatened everybody with the... Uh, 22nd evacuation date. So they did have um, for any water protectors who were going to, you know, leave camp. There was a last prayer and a a march where they marched, the final march out of camp. Um, And that took place before 2 p.m. And then at 2 p.m. they basically stalled. And uh, I believe those are common tactics to tire people out and uh, manipulate the media situation. And so I believe there was 11 arrests on the 22nd, and 10 out of those 11 arrests were uh, journalists or or media. And they also had, uh, you know, handpicked their uh, station that was the only media that was allowed to be, you know, on on the front lines, and they kind of corralled up the rest of the media in a little corner, and and I was kind of seeing some of the stories that Morton County was was coming out with, and of course they wanting to make, you know, the water protectors look bad, wanting to make it look like we left a bunch of trash and left, you know, a big messy camp, and also, um, you know, so that they can pretend that it all happened peacefully and that nobody was hurt and that everything you know, went well, which is not the case. You know, people were hurt. There was a a journalist who um, had a a hip fracture or a possibly broken hip. There was several people that described a lot of force that was used against them. So they didn't actually physically come in and raid the camp on the 22nd. All they did was target and arrest media, and then they came in the following day and they raided uh, Ocheti and Rosebud camp. So basically now it is just um, like the legal teams working to try and figure out where everybody is, trying to provide support for all the arrestees, and then as well as I believe there's a lot of people that were displaced and are now either in Sacred Stone or Cheyenne River camp. So many people had no idea what where they were going to go or what they were going to do or how they were going to get their stuff out across the river from Ochiti is Rosebud. Um, and it kind of connects to uh, Seventh Generation and Sacred Stone. And, and now with this eviction, Cheyenne River uh, leased land on the Standing Rock uh, Reservation and are um, forming their new camp there. So the ones, the camps that are still remaining is um, Sacred Stone and, and Cheyenne River and possibly Seventh Generation. What 
would you say are the next steps that community can be doing to continue to support water protectors and other indigenous leaders who are trying to protect the environment and their lands? There are other encampments that are fighting other pipelines, um, such as a Trans-Pecos pipeline in Texas. Um, that could really use the same support and the same attention, you know, that people gave to Standing Rock. I've been to the Two Rivers camp in Texas once and um, hoping to make it out there again and hopefully do some supply runs um, there as well. So definitely whatever, um, uh, whatever struggle is near you, you know, if you can make it out and support and boots on the ground and ayotas on the ground. <laughs> is what is needed for sure. And then um, something that I think is very, very important um, that people can can do is to divest from the banks that are funding the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, I think that's something that can be done from anywhere, and it's one of the, I think, most important ways to resist at this point. And I had the honor today of accompanying someone and live streaming as they divested from Wells Fargo here in Los Lunas. That is the most important thing that can be done at this point is definitely making sure that your money is, is not, you know, with these um, institutions that are doing such horrendous, horrendous things. And so divest, divest from Wells Fargo, divest from Bank of America. There's a whole list of banks out there that uh, are, are funding these pipelines. Is there anything else that you would like to share today? Yes, I would just definitely um, would like to give a shout out to all the New Mexico water protectors. You know, there has been so many people from New Mexico that have sacrificed so much and basically dropped their lives to fight this fight. That was something that it just made me feel really good when I was in camp and I was seeing New Mexico license plates or New Mexico flags um, throughout the camp. And so I just want to send, you know, prayers and love to to all of the New Mexico water protectors who, you know, sacrifice. Just, you know, continue to um, stay vigilant and continue to make sure that our warriors, you know, that sacrificed um, are not being forgotten. We can't just, you know, let them deal with these felony charges on their own. Like, they need definitely support. They need uh, people to continue to donate to their legal funds. Also, you can uh, stay up to date with the Pueblo Action Alliance or the New Mexico Pueblo Water Protectors. I believe that there is still going to be... Folks, you know, staying on the ground out there in North Dakota, you know, for as long as it takes. And so definitely uh, the fight isn't over and we will continue to um, support in any way that we can. Thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing your experience and your story with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. For Generation Justice, I'm Kate Rizuni. Wow. Thank you, Andrea, for not only helping me understand what is happening in Standing Rock, but also our listeners. Andrea, your sense of love, community, and persistence is amazing. I appreciate all that you do. Thank you. In honor of all your work and of the work and of the work of all the water protectors, here's the musician Chaos, a local indigenous artist. 
Tonight we're playing his song, No Dapple. It took some time to look through my book of rhymes just to ease my mind because you undermine my people's strife. So now you wonder why my people fight. Maybe it's because we got nothing to lose. And people try to hush when we speak in truth. We don't got much, so we do what we do. Protect the water for me and you. So this is for the boys on the front line. I really don't know why they hunt mine. People like dogs, so they release the dogs. So we stay in prayer we face in harm. Face up, we stand strong. Face us, we're still unarmed. Face us, of a people strong. Holding on in a world that's been going on. But it don't stop there, so be prepared. Yeah, we revving up, I can feel in the air. Cause soon enough, the front lines everywhere. They're coming for your freedom, they're coming for your rights. They're coming for your days, they're coming for your nights. From the cradle to the grave, and the fan of those sights. So let me ask you, are we living right? Hell no. So I walk the roads, walk them out with my shoes. If you wanna know how it goes with a snap of hope. Yeah, that's right, we're still talking codes. Still in the balcony to try and dismantle the nays mindset. Shaking like a rattle, but it ain't no such thing as a halfway crook. So check the cops, take another look, cause it's apple. Water is life, water is life, no dapple. Can't drink oil, you better so no dapple. Still in the balcony to try and dismantle the nays mindset, but it's still no dapple. But here we go again, damn, so let me grab my pen And let him know we're not leaving, understand this is treason Continual attacks on the people that's bleeding, broken trees But they don't need a reason, cause corporate interest is what they believe in And carbon footprints are what they're leaving For my nephew, for my niece, stay in prayer Seek out peace, but it should get hard with these militant police We stay in arm and they do what they please Spray people down in the depths of the night Environmental warfare's a whole nother fight So now we pray that we see daylight Cause now we face new threats to life But flash grenades and loud noises Plus rubber bullets can't silence our voices The media lies, really annoys So still we rise, they can't destroy us It's the start of a movement So keep doing what you're doing From standing rock to Chaco Canyon Warriors keep it moving Cause it's a new day, but same old We need a new way to handle this Administration, they don't give it Fuck oh, oh, Donald Trump, we still resist Still in the battle, cause they're trying to dismantle The name's mindset, shake it like a rattle But ain't no such thing as a halfway crook So check the cops, seek another look Cause oh, it's apple Water is life, water is life Oh, Now let us take you to this week's community calendar with Matthew Brown and Alicia Hernandez. Thank you, Sammy. Let's begin with a community meeting hosted by our friends over at Olay, otherwise known as Organizers in the Land of Enchantment. All righty, Matthew, tell us all about it. Olay's community meeting, Nothing About Us Without Us, aims to cultivate an open and intersectional space that discusses the future of New Mexico and what calls to action are needed to fulfill that vision. The meeting takes place Monday, February 27th from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. at 411 Balma Avenue. For more information, please call 505-796-6544. Currently, we are in a state of environmental resistance with the No Dapple movement. 
On Monday, February 27th, Tribal Chairman David Archambault Sr. of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe will speak at UNM's School of Architecture and Planning. His lecture is called Drawing the Line at Dapple, Responding to Trumpism and the Legacies of Settler Colonialism. His lecture is part of the Teach Week series and runs from 11 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. in George Pearl Hall on the UNM campus. To learn more about this lecture and the Teach Week series, you can call 277-2903. We do a lot of work for the members in our community, but we often forget about the threats to our own environment. That's right, Matthew. And here in our community, there will be a discussion called Resistance is Rising, Indigenous Women and the Struggle to Protect the Environment. Now that sounds really awesome. Please tell me more about it. Well, this event is a political and historical analysis of the various forms of resistance to corporate pollution of our land, water, and air. Given the context of the No Dapple movement and other forms of environmental resistance, this event is more important than ever. When does the Resistance is Rising event take place, Alicia? Sunday, March 5th from 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at 202 Pennsylvania Avenue. For more information, please feel free to call 505-401-4732. Our last event of this evening is something that you are all sure to enjoy. Embres de Pluma, or Women Wielding the Pen, is a collective of self-identified self female artists who've come together to share their stories of childhood, growing older, Love, loss, grief, and joy. The play will be at the National Hispanic Cultural Center as part of the Siempre Latino Theater season, which takes place on March 9th at 7.30 p.m. For more information, you can call 505-246-2261. That's it for this week's community calendar. Stay tuned for the resistance headlines, but first, to cleanse your sound palette, here's J. Cole with Be Free. With all that is happening under our new administration, it's important we stay aware and vigilant. And here at GJ, we like to find every way to feel empowered. We know resistance works. So we bring you our newest segment, The Resistance Headlines, a look at the actions from the past week. Kezu Haga and Roberta Rael helped us pull this together. Here we go. It is week five of the resistance. At the Conservative Political Action Conference, Chief Advisor Steve Bannon admits that the Trump cabinet's nominees were selected to destroy their agencies. Although this is not great news, it is always good for the resistance when the truth is spoken. GOP lawmakers from across the country are being challenged by their own constituents in town halls in Montana, Idaho, Arkansas, Iowa, Utah, Virginia, and New Jersey. Activists put a banner on the Statue of Liberty that reads, Refugees Welcome. There is now a Chapter 3 resistance group, indivisible, in every congressional district in the country. Michael Moore released a one-stop website for all actions, protests, marches, sit-ins, town halls, pro-democracy events in all 50 states. It's called the Resistance Calendar. The City Council of Richmond, California, unanimously approved a resolution to impeach President Trump. Senator John McCain gave a speech in Germany dismantling Trump's worldview and explained the dangers of 
flirting with authoritarianism. Obama for, Obama's former lawyers began United to Protect Democracy, a legal organization to battle anything that is unconstitutional in our country. Thousands marched in Los Angeles in support of immigrant communities. Oregon's governor forbid any state employees from helping ICE agents in participating in deportations. Albuquerque City Council voted to reaffirm that Albuquerque is an immigrant-friendly city. Witches around the world collaborated to collectively hex Trump on Friday. Chris Long of the New England Patriots not only refused a visit to the White House after the Super Bowl, but also went on a Twitter rant this week about Trump. The Anne, Frank, the Anne Frank Center slammed Trump in a public statement, accusing him and his administration of anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial. Our country's largest outdoor gear expo left the state of Utah in protest of their GOP lawmakers' handling of governmental issues. D.C. residents have been traveling the country to put pressure on other representatives. A report from the Department of Homeland Security cast doubt on the need for Trump's travel ban. A California congressman called for a special prosecutor to lead investigation into the alleged ties between Trump and Putin. That's our resistance headline this week. Thank you to all of the individuals, organizations, and groups who have not given up hope. We haven't either, and we'll continue sharing the resistance with all of you. Now, back to Pilar and Sammy. Thanks, Matthew and Alicia. Also, the Federal Communications Commission, or FCC, voted to eliminate open internet protections, meaning that the internet service providers are not required to give customers information about broadband prices, speeds, or feeds. Those disclosure requirements were safeguarded just last year, and now they're being rolled back. Net neutrality and transparency changes under the new administration are happening fast and they affect us all. For more information on net neutrality changes, you can visit freepress.net and follow their 100 Days of Disruption campaign. We've come to the end of another great show. We would like to thank our guests, Fabiola Bowden, Marian Mendez, Liz Carrasco, and Andrea Mayoel Garza. And a big shout out to Tanea Winder for that awesome spoken word piece, Resistance. Tonight's show was produced by Kateri Zuni and Roberta Rael. With editing assistance from Christina Rodriguez. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and so much more. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe and rate us. We're also active on social media, so be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, Con Alma Health Foundation, the Albuquerque Community Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. I'm Pilar Monfaletto. And I'm Sammy Saad, coming up on you on KUNM is spoken word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Stay cool! <laughs>